Hello and welcome to the Carolina Snowflakes podcast, where two Southerners come to terms with their liberal snowflake tendencies. We're your hosts. I'm Amanda. And I'm Jason. And we're here with this week's episode of the Carolina Snowflakes podcast. We're calling this one Freedom to Cheer. And then in parentheses and italics and quotation marks after that, it says... Uh, First Amendment fuckery. And that is what this episode is about. <laughs> but mostly it's about cheering. Yeah. And since we're on the, the, the topic of cheering, would you like to hear my cheer? I would like to hear your cheer. All right. Ready? Okay. Rah, rah, re. Kick him in the knee. Rah, rah, rass. Kick him in the other knee. That's a great cheer. Thank you. It, I like the the weird, awkward pauses that make it. Yeah. So that I'm not sure what you're doing. <laughs> That's the best part. <laughs> you didn't like it? No, I thought it was great. Oh, well, thank you. I like how you messed with my expectations, which is the root of all comedy. It's really why I'm here mm-hmm. to do that. <laughs> but also, since we're on the topic of cheer, and I just did a cheer, let's talk some more about cheer. And First Amendments. Yes, the specifically First, Amendment. First Amendments. Yeah. So last week, a case made its way to the Supreme Court. Of the United States of America. <laughs> yeah, that Supreme Court. SCOTUS. SCOTUS, if you will. Mm-hmm. And basically, this case is set to determine whether or not schools can punish students for speech that occurs off campus. Ah. Because there's currently no real legal precedent for yeah. that. Yeah. So here's the story. And that this is high schools or yes. below. We're yes, school and public schools. Public school. 2017, a 14-year-old girl named Brandy Levy mm-hmm. from Pennsylvania mm-hmm. tried out for varsity cheerleading. Rah, rah, rah. Yeah, <laughs> right. Okay. At her school. Unfortunately, Brandy didn't make the varsity team. Wah, wah. But instead was put on the JV team. Yeah. And she had already been on JV. She was a rising uh, sophomore at the time. JV, also known as first loser. <laughs> right. Junior varsity. <laughs> yes. Well, she tried out. She didn't make it. Mm-hmm. She was very upset. Mm-hmm. And in, in part as well because a freshman, ew, ew, actually made varsity that year. And she's dating a senior, which is just gross. Ew. Uh-huh. So Brandy did what a lot of kids these days do. Yeah. And she took to social media Mm -hmm. to vent her frustrations. To voice her displeasure with the decision. Right. And specifically, she went to Snapchat and put out a snap with a salty snap. (laughs) A salty snap, (laughs) With a lot of F-bombs dropped. Uh Uh-huh. And I'll say what she snapped. Right. She said, fuck school, fuck softball, fuck cheerleading, fuck everything. Mm -hmm. And she included a picture of herself flipping the bird. And then she also put something along the lines of, because she had a friend who also tried out and that friend didn't make it. And she said, love how me and friend get told we have a year of JV before we make varsity, but that doesn't matter to anyone else. Yeah. So she was like, what the heck? I've already been cheering for a year. Mm-hmm. I try out. And they're like, no, yeah. you need to do this for another year. Yeah. And I'm like, this is bullshit. So she blasts that out <laughs> to on her, her social media, on her, on her Snapchat. I believe it was on a Saturday as well. Yes. It was on a weekend. Mm-hmm. She puts that out. 
And she was like, at the point, at that point in time, she had around 250 followers or so. And one of them happened to be another fellow cheerleader Uh who took a screenshot of the snap. Mm -hmm. Because as you know, Snapchats like disappear after so long. Mm -hmm. She took a screenshot and then sent that screenshot to the coach. Oh, no. Oh, no, not the coach. Uh Uh-huh. And so the coach looks at the snap and decides that Brandy had violated the team rules and the school rules and banned her from cheerleading for a whole year. Oof. That seems so excessive. It's pretty intense. A year? A year. No cheering at all? No, no cheering. Football team's going to lose? Doesn't matter. We don't care. Doesn't matter. We'll fucking tank this season over this. So Brandy was pretty upset. Yeah. Even more uh-huh. <laughs> when this happened. And so were her parents. Yeah. And so her parents appealed to the school, the mm-hmm. director of athletics, the principal, the superintendent, and the whole school board. Uh-huh. But all of them sided with the coach's decision. Wow. So her parents took the case to court. Yeah. And they filed a federal lawsuit stating that the discipline for speech that occurred off campus right. was a violation of Brandy's First Amendment rights. It's a legit argument. Went to court. It went to a federal court in Pennsylvania, and the judge there agreed and sided with Brandy mm-hmm. and her parents and ordered her to be reinstated yeah. to the cheerleading team. Let's let this chick cheer. Like, effective immediately. Yeah. And the school district was like, mm, we don't like this. They appealed. So mm-hmm. the the case went to the third district court of appeals, mm-hmm. which also agreed with Brandy, yeah. <laughs> and her and her attorneys and her it makes family, sense. right? And the school board then was like, "This isn't good enough," and the precedent that's being used in this case mm-hmm. doesn't make sense in this day and age. It doesn't. So the first judge in the case had used precedent from. Uh, a case back in the 60s mm-hmm. when a group of students wore black arm badges to school in protest of the Vietnam War. Right. And in that case, the Supreme Court said students don't lose their protection of free speech just by being at school. Mm-hmm. Specifically, they said, quote, it can hardly be argued that either students or teachers shed their constitutional rights to freedom of speech or expression at the schoolhouse gate. Right. SCOTUS said schools have no right to punish a student for protected speech unless the speech is materially and substantially interfering with school activities. And that is the rub because that those words are vague, materially and substantially. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't like that wording at all because what the fuck does that mean? Yeah, well, I mean, it kind of leaves the school to decide what is... Mm-hmm interfering with right or it's too disruptive and it's up to the community to decide which marginalizes people who are already in the minority by the way it does so the point was that this first judge in the courts was was using that precedent Mm -hmm. from the 60s and the school board was like hey this is a little bit different yeah and we really could use some guidance here specifically because what brandy had done in that snap occurred off campus yeah and it's i think the punishment is just too extreme too it's like most of us could agree that you could tell her like no 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 and maybe make her sit out a game but a fucking year yeah it's pretty extreme yeah so her case made its way to the supreme court 
last week where her attorneys argued that her snap was an offhanded comment uh-huh. of a teenager expressing frustration. She was 14 at the time. Right. Like, you know, she wasn't intimidating anyone. No. She wasn't harassing anyone or making there was no any threats. threats. Yeah. Right. She's exactly. just being like an angry 14 year old girl. She was venting. Yeah. She was pissed. Some, some stupid freshman yeah. beat her out for a spot on the varsity team. Like, and I us, kind of understand that. And us adults know that you might get punished for venting something on the internet and that that's a mistake, but she's 14. I mean, like, I don't expect her to know that yet. Right. So although the school district defended their decision to punish Brandy, they wanted the Supreme Court to hear the case mm-hmm. because they wanted some sort of set in stone guidance for how to handle these situations, <laughs> yeah. especially now uh-huh. that kids have all the apps and the phones it's and the, the future. social medias, and it's all at their fingertips 24-7, and schools are now becoming like internet police. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how much reach is too much reach? Right. How much reach isn't enough reach? Because you also have the cases of internet bullying mm-hmm. and real threats. Right. And it's like the schools then are like, but we feel obligated to intervene when those happen. Right. So it's like we want the court to hear this. We want we definitely need a decision because right. it's too it's too up in the air. And this is a really interesting case because all the heavy hitters have really like weighed in on this so far and it may not necessarily be what you would expect. So on Brandy's side of things, you have a bunch of conservative legal uh-huh. organizations, right. some religious liberty groups, right. Nine Republican attorney generals mm-hmm. and the ACLU. Right. In fact, it was the ACLU who filed the lawsuit for her in the first place. I think this is a thing that unifies all sides <laughs> and like that this is bullshit. You can't do that to a 14 year old girl. But now on the other side, on the school district side, you have some pretty important anti-bullying groups. Sure. You have the Department of Education and eh. the Biden administration. Eh. So that's I, a big deal. I disagree. <laughs> I well, am on the other fine. side. I know you can you can have an opinion here. I'm yeah. just sharing like, wow. These are heavy hitters. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a big deal. And what's weird about that, too, is she wasn't bullying anybody. So I don't no. understand what cyberbullying has to do with it at all. Well, the bullying groups, the anti-bullying groups are interested in this case because they fear that the court could say that the school has no grounds to intervene or police, quote unquote, children who are online and behaving badly. Bullying. I think in this case, there's an interesting thing where it's not, it's the punishment not fitting the crime that I think is the biggest rub in everything. That's part of it, but it's more about it's more about the f- the free speech side, to be honest, and also the the fact that this type of case hasn't been heard in over fifty years. Right. The Supreme Court hasn't heard a student speech case. Right. In over fifty years. Well, that that makes it so important. It makes it a big deal. I don't think I think what they're going to do. I don't think they want to actually rule anything that could be broadly interpreted. I think they're going to try to keep it as narrow to this case as possible. Well, maybe, maybe not, because here's the other thing. Whenever this decision happens, which they anticipate will be sometime this summer, Mm -hmm. the Supreme Court's ruling is going to be in place for at least two to three generations. Yeah. 
So whatever they decide surrounding this Brandy Levy case is going to stick with us for a long while, which is why so many, quote, heavy hitters Mm -hmm. are interested in this. Yeah, I do think it's a big deal, and I hope they don't fuck it up. I think there's kind of two separate things that are happening. There's the First Amendment case, which is a big deal. Right. And that's what's drawing all all the attention. But there's a second side to the story, and... It has to do with the way schools choose to apply the rules. Yeah. Sometimes mm-hmm. very poor choices. I can give another example from about three or four years ago. I'm not exactly sure, but there was a kid who decided that he was going to invite his little girlfriend to prom with him. And his way of doing it was like he got some paper, some like toilet paper and masking tape, and he snuck into the school early and like went up the fire escape and put, will you go to prom with me, Delphi or whatever her name was, on the side of the building with like masking tape and and paper mm-hmm. so that it would be easily removable and everyone would see it pulling into school and it would be this nice romantic gesture. Right. And she saw it and was like, oh my God, that's so sweet. Oh, how cute. And the internet thought it was great. Like, what a romantic thing. And the school was like, no, 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 you trespassed and vandalized our school property. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, no, I just, that's why I use masking tape and paper. Like, I'll take it down. Don't, worry about it and they hammered his ass and were like no and they banned him from prom so oh. now the guy who gets a viral internet video about asking this little sweet girl to prom is not allowed to go to prom and the internet lost its goddamn mind people heard this story yeah. and flipped their shit and started calling the school and harassing the school district and eventually it's a long story but eventually the school district caves and they let him go to prom with his date but only after tremendous amounts of social pressure pressure right from from tons and millions of people. Right. And it was a different it, it was a different case but there was a similar aspect in that this student in particular was not someone who needed a punishment like that. What he did was what we try to teach all men to do, which is to do these nice romantic gestures in a way that's responsible and not harmful. Had he spray painted on the side of the school it would have been a problem. Yeah, or carved it into a desk. Exactly. But <laughs> When they interview the kid, he's very articulate, very smart. And he's like, I deliberately did this in a way that I knew would be easily removed. It's like a paper banner. And I just wanted everyone to see it because it was romantic. And like movies have taught me chicks dig that. Yeah. And I wanted her to see it. I wanted her friends to see it. And have a little bit of jealousy because their boyfriends didn't do that. Exactly. (laughs) And to me, this is the exact thing we want our young men to believe is a good thing. A nice romantic gesture that you did responsibly. Mm -hmm. And you're now choosing to punish this kid for that. And... It's not like the kid had any kind of a record. He had none. He was a very good student. So it's there's no reason other than they're like, we have to apply this rule strictly. And the reason everyone lost their minds was because it's just disproportionate. It's just wrong. It's just you're arbitrarily applying a rule that doesn't really apply just to hurt someone because you don't like what they did. High schools are kind of known for that. <laughs> they are. That happened to me a lot when I was in high school. And I'd like to tell a little story about a very similar situation that happened to me. As you discussed earlier, the Supreme Court ruled in a case that was called the Tinker case, basically... In the 60s. In the 60s, mm-hmm. saying that you don't lose your free speech in a school, but if what you're doing is disruptive, then it, you can lose your free speech then. And so what that means is that the community as a whole decides what's disruptive and what's not. At the school I went to, it was fine to wear Confederate flags. People wore Confederate flags all the time. They were everywhere. Dixie Outfitters was the name of the brand of the shirt. Like and, wearing like clothing? Yes, clothing shirts. This With Dixie Confederate Outfitters, flags Confederate on? flag on it. I'd say a third of students at all times. I went to school in South Carolina. 
this is the way it was at my school. Did were there did were there black students? There were, it was it was almost half black students at my <gasps> school. Really? So it was just accepted. Everybody just you just it just the, the community was fine with it. Now I wasn't. I was like, this is stupid. But what can I do? I'm not the majority, so my opinion doesn't matter because it's not disturbing if it's not the majority. Wow. So you end up in this place where you're now marginalizing people. And there was another shirt that people would wear: the Fellowship of Christian Athletes (FCA) shirts. Yeah. And they'd have a big cross on the back and a little Jesus fish, and it would say whatever. And they'd have their prayer meetings. So we decided we were going to start our own organization called like strategic analysis of neckties and something it was an acronym that spelled satan was the point <laughs> it spelled satan and we were supposed to be a club that was analyzing something and we wrote the acronym <laughs> on our shirts and drew a big like pentagram and we're like no this is a completely different thing and if they can have shirts that have a cross and say fca we can have shirts that say satan and have a pentagram you rebel you yeah the schools didn't like it we got in trouble they made us not wear the shirts and then there was a time i wore a rob zombie t-shirt that had a little pentagram on it they made me go home because that shirt was unacceptable wow yet there were kids walking around around with crosses and confederate, confederate flags, flags on their shirt and that was fine because in that community that's not disruptive but wow. mine is wow and that's why that law is straight up fucking stupid yeah it's like the the in that one the the court sided with the students mm-hmm. but then put a great big butt but a great they big put clause comma on it. But uh-huh. the school ultimately decides what is too disruptive. And that means that it's only the majority that matters. And that means only the minority can be disruptive. And that's overly marginalizing a group who's already minor- marginalized because they are the minority. Wow. It's a self-reinforcing thing. And I've known it. I felt it when I was in school. I've just, as an adult, gained the language to be able to explain what's happening there. Right. And understand that it is supreme bullshit. I knew that. <laughs> well, did your um, Satan club last? No, like I said, we got we all got in trouble. Had to go like on home. The very first, there was like day. four of us wore the shirts that day. We got we all you bought white shirts and drew on them, <laughs> and drew on them with sharpies. Oh my god! And we all four came into school wearing these shirts that said Satan. You know, strategic something. I can't even remember the acronym anymore. And when they told you that you couldn't wear that and you said but what about the uh-huh. the student athletes the christian athletes they said there's a school sanctioned organization and they are, are disruptive but ours are that was what they said wow yeah hmm. and so in those days because this tells you how different things are they just sent us home and we just put on another, another shirt and came back yeah i think i remember in high school like I'm old. Yeah, we're both old. This was pre-Columbine. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember like you couldn't wear, at least in my school, no hats. Right. And um, you couldn't wear shirts that had like marijuana on them. Right. They would either make you change shirts or you had to turn it inside out. Yeah, I just find that, that there's- Now, t- I don't recall people wearing Confederate flags though. Oh, there was a ton school. of that in my school. That's crazy to me. That's South Carolina for you. Wow. What, what I find fascinating is that there's two separate things. There's a First Amendment thing, and then there's also a, like, arbitrariness of rules and sort of a administrative ecstasy thing happening. Administrative ecstasy is a term I wish I'd have coined, but I, that one goes to Fyodor Dostoevsky, the 19th century Russian author, um, who realized, even back then, you have to remember, this is 1800s, okay? This man realizes that there are people that get positions of power, usually around middle management positions of power, and they 
enjoy that light little bit of power so much that they enforce it on everyone as much as possible because they their thrill of their life is exercising the small amount of power they have. And that usually they're even worse than people with large amounts of power. And those are the ones who are the biggest dicks. Yeah. And I think we've all had yes. a manager who's who's doing that. Who is doing administrative ecstasy. They get a little, they get promoted. Mm-hmm. And they're now just a little bit above you. Uh-huh. And it goes to their heads yep. and they like basically get off on being boss on being administrative yeah it's so gross and uh i think it's a fascinating topic and i think uh his dostoevsky kerman coining the term administrative ecstasy is a perfect example of like summation of what it is and we've all seen it and one day we were going to do a full episode on that phenomenon because i think it's fantastic and i think we've all run into it and i think that's kind of happening a little bit in these cases yeah I think there might be a little bit oh, of that yeah. happening. Of course, at schools, yeah, a principal, mm-hmm. come someone on. with a little power trying to flex mm-hmm. it hard. I'm the boss, uh huh. And <laughs> I will not tolerate anybody not dealing with my power and not respecting my little bit of authority. That's the key part. It's a little bit, mm-hmm. but they get off on it. Administrative ecstasy, and with the First Amendment side of things, I think I found another case that's very illustrative of. How you can use the First Amendment, how there's some fuckery going on with it, as I hinted in the title of First Amendment fuckery. So there's a website that's been in existence since around 05 called The Pirate Bay. A lot of people are familiar with it. It's the most popular pirate website that there is on the internet. And you're not talking about like ships, pirates. No, I'm talking about where you can download media. So if you remember Napster. I do remember Napster. Oh, those were the days. So that never died, okay? There's still a large community of people that get their music, movies, television, everything for free from the internet. And a lot of them get it from this website, The Pirate Bay. But there's some interesting things about The Pirate Bay. It uses files called torrentfiles.t-o-r-r-e-n-t, torrent files. These files are interesting because they allow you to share with your peers, peer-to-peer, like Napster, a little bit of a song at a time, and then you just download 10 different versions of it, of the different parts of the song, and your computer pieces it together, and you share it out yourself. And it allows you to download simultaneously very fast and to be sharing while you're downloading. And these files are really neat because of that, and they don't require a single app to use. There are tons of different apps that you can use to download torrent files. And Pirate Bay had nothing to do with any of that. All the Pirate Bay did was link to torrent files. Oh. It was like a phone book. The Pirate Bay, and still is, from the from its inception, has always just been a, a list of, a way to search through all the different possible torrent files that are on the internet. So if I'm like, I wanna want to go watch mm-hmm. some pirated mm-hmm. RuPaul's Drag Race. Right. I would go there and search for it, but it's not technically coming from them. Right. And in fact, if you Googled, you know, uh, RuPaul's Drag Race Torrent, you would find those same websites that have it. It's Mm. just Pirate Bay organized it all nicely and kind of sorted out the viruses for people. Oh, okay. I see. So the service was in sort of a curating and linking list. It's like a phone book. And so they had, and still do, have a legit argument that that is free speech. You can't prosecute the phone book company if one of the phone book companies (laughs) do something illegal we're not taking the yellow pages to court right if if one of the businesses in the yellow pages does something illegal that's crazy i feel like this shows our age yeah that we're referencing phone books right well to (laughs) put it in other ways google google links to all tons all kinds of illegal shit 
and websites that sell illegal things. But they're not accountable because they're not hosting it, even though in some cases they are, and definitely Amazon is. Well, Amazon for sure is hosting whatever it is. Amazon Web Services definitely is hosting illegal content, but they can't ever be held accountable for it. And the Pirate Bay's argument is we've never been doing any of that. We've just been linking. Right, because I'm assuming they were getting a lot of attention and negative. Tons. Yeah, since 05. Because piracy is illegal. Uh-huh. They've been trying to crack down on them since 2005, and they've never shut the website down. It's still running to this day. One of the reasons why is freedom of speech. What they have done is fascinating to me. So they decided they were getting charged, like they were getting sent all these letters from Disney, DMCA, arguments basically saying cease and desist. So and, like Disney was sending them letters. And they were like, listen. Stop. Stop giving people links to watch Dumbo, Mm -hmm. you jerks. Well, as it turns out, the people that created the Pirate Bay did it in Sweden. Actually, one of them was Swiss, one of them was Swedish, one of them was Finnish. But they did it in Sweden. And so all the American laws don't apply. There's None of those copyrights mean anything. Oh, right. So, like, Disney's coming at them with, like, U.S. laws. Threats from U.S. laws. And and they were like... like, uh, doesn't yeah, mean anything to us. You're not there. Yeah, we don't give a shit. <laughs> and so they just never shut it down. And they moved it places. It's it's fascinating. They they moved the servers and had backups of backups. So over the years, when the government when governments have targeted them, shut them down, it's like less than a day that it's down. Mm, okay. And it's really funny because the website hasn't changed since 2008. It still looks like it did in 08 today. Wow. But it still works. Which is really, really interesting. And so they were getting threatened to be charged with things. And they needed to come up with a strategy to protect people who were using the Pirate Bay. So they realized that in Sweden, you can make a religion for about 50 bucks. <laughs> what do you and mean make a religion the for government, 50 bucks? The, the application to apply your religion to the government requires fifty, about $50 and like 50 signatures. And you fill out a form and, and the say, government like, will, we're a religion. We'll respect your religion. So <laughs> okay. they created a religion but that they called the copy mist religion. Copy mist. Like copy mist? Yeah. Okay. And the, the tenets of this religion were that you, as a human being, are a copy of both of your parents' DNA shuffled and mixed together. Mm-hmm. And that every television show is a copy of something that happened that's been filmed. And that every music song that you like is a copy of something that happened live. <laughs> and that everything good in the world is actually a copy. Okay. Uh, fruit is just copies of the DNA of the tree. <laughs> and so if everything that's good is a copy, then sharing things on the internet is surely also good. Is okay because it's just a copy. Uh-huh. It's not the original. <laughs> right. And and they made it a religion. Made it a religion. And see, there's already multiple established religions that say that every member of that religion is a qualified priest of the religion. That's something that there's precedent for. Oh. So they included that and said, well, actually, any member of the copy mist religion is a priest of the copy mist religion. <laughs> And when they are discussing their religion with other priests, it's P2P connection, which is usually called peer-to-peer, but in this case, we're calling it priest-to-priest communication. (laughs) And that, since it's religious in nature, is protected speech. And therefore, me sharing my files with you is protected religious speech. Because we're priest-to-priest. Because we're priest-to-priest communication. That is so clever. I know. Isn't that the best troll in the whole wide world? And it worked. Yeah, they like found a way to work... Uh-huh. Around and with the uh-huh. the protection of speech and religion, uh-huh. <laughs> oh it's my fascinating. Goodness. 
And if you listen to the creators of this, their whole argument is that the, 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 the internet is not fair. It's not egalitarian. And so there are countries in the world where content is blocked. And yeah. very similar to the dark net, their argument is we don't think how much money you have should limit how much access you have to information. And so because in Zimbabwe, you can't download Spotify or YouTube or any of those things, right. but you can go to Pirate Bay, they're arguing, I would rather them pirate it and listen to it quote unquote illegally than to tell poor people that because they're poor, they can't have access to the same thing we all have free access to in the right, rest of the world. Right, because that's ultimately the point of the internet exactly and what we've done when we've tried to eliminate quote-unquote piracy is we've the problem has always been distribution and copying things because you needed a physical medium to do it the internet has created has gotten rid of that need and yet the market hasn't evolved we created something great that allowed us free copies of art to which you would think would open the human race up and allow art to be free for everyone. But instead, we've kept the old rules to keep the same old people rich who didn't make the art in the first place. They're just the companies who bought and sold it. So he has a legit, as you can tell, I'm on his side, a legit yeah. argument for why we need to move on. And this whole idea that you you own some kind of intellectual property that can't be copied is ridiculous. I mean, for me personally, I blame Lars. Yeah, I blame Lars from Metallica a little bit, too, because he went after Napster. He ruined it. Well, uh, over the years, what happened is a lot of the, all the other websites went down. Pirate Bay became the biggest one because it was never down. They they actually all went to prison. They lost. Um, it's oh, they did. Their copy miss didn't work. Yeah, it didn't work. Um, what's funny, too, is that the one guy was Finnish, and what he realized was that the Finns apparently have a massive racial anchor at the Swedes. Wait, what? Finnish people don't like Swedish people, apparently. Why? I don't know, but apparently Finland's smaller, uh -huh. and they consider themselves like the kid brother, and they don't like the Swedes coming over and taking their jobs. <laughs> so there's like a huge right-wing movement in Finland that's like, fuck the Swedes. We don't like them. Those, they're immigrants taking our jobs. What? Yeah. This sounds so familiar, but also is a little confusing because- They're all both I'm, white. Like, yeah, all I'm imagining are blonde uh -huh. white people. Right. But they're Boy, racist to each other. Derbs. Yeah. And apparently Finns have to learn Swedish in school and they, they resent that. Huh. Um, because there's a history of sort of lording over the Finns. Okay. And so Finns don't like the Swedes. So what this guy does, although he's a super liberal, when the Pirate Bay, and when they're like, we're going to take you to jail- he decides, I'm going to run for office in Finland, and my platform is going to be, if you hate the Swedes, if you're a racist who really hates the Swedes, <laughs> you know what would really piss them off? If you elect me to office, I get diplomatic immunity, they can't put me in jail for the Pirate Bay. Oh. And he came a hair away from winning. He almost won. On that platform. On the platform with the racists about, quote unquote racists, about keeping him out of prison. And just continuing to piss off it. the sweets. <laughs> just to piss off the sweets. <laughs> so as you can tell, these guys are pretty excellent trolls. They're, They're like the very best. And, and smart. That's just smart. It's excellent smart trolling. And so they have used free speech in a way that I very much approve of. And they, they argue the side of it that sometimes it's hard to, to point out to people because we have this old way of thinking that um, I think is the internet has made, I mean, we, we need to move past it. And that's the theme that runs through all of our stories here, I think. It's like the internet has changed things and we need to we need to accept the way the new way and freedom of speech is gonna change with it, you know? I mean, like it's just the future. Yeah, whether you're a cheerleader mm -hmm. or, or you're running a pirate website. Yeah. They also made a pirate political party in uh Sweden. 
<laughs> that was based on a similar ideas. And, you know, that kept some people out of jail, believe it or not. So it's a really fascinating story. Was and, their motto like, "Ar"? Yeah, yar. <laughs> and yeah, that's the Pirate Bay. It still exists. You can still go there and download torrents today. I wouldn't do it, but you can. <laughs> so I'm curious to know what your thoughts are on the idea of the internet and copying and artwork and, you know, music. Well, I think for me, it boils down to the medium mm -hmm. that's being shared or copied. Mm -hmm. I do believe that people should have unlimited and free access to information. Mm -hmm. So news and written. Wikipedia. Yeah. Wikipedia. Yeah. Et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, but I also feel like there should be some sort of middle ground as far as protecting artists and their art. Yeah. Musicians mm -hmm. and also like painters and yeah. and sculptors and creators. Mm -hmm. Um because they could suffer yeah. when, when something is pirated mm. or stolen or copied. Yeah, I think that's kind of the genius of our man Beeple for figuring out a way to take something that he knew was going to be copied. And so he thought trying to fight it being copied is ridiculous, but let's find another way to get paid for right. it. Right. His is, is, I feel, kind of like a, a precedent, a new uh, way of potentially mm -hmm. keeping that type of artistry safe mm -hmm. and secured while also being able to pay the artist and allow everyone to see the art. Yeah. We can follow him, which we do on Instagram and we see all of his pieces, mm -hmm. but he still gets paid and I can download a picture of it on my phone or mm -hmm. my computer if I want to, but he's getting paid for those because he of the NFT technology. Yeah, because he's got fans who are willing to pay, mm -hmm. which is kind of like Patreon. And I think that's the future. I think that's where we yeah, need to go. Yeah, I think we're on the way to finding some sort of like 21st century version. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, we have this ball and chain of, <laughs> yeah, this of old school yeah. copyright laws. Mm -hmm. But we've got to deal with yeah and it may mean like cutting that chain yeah i think <laughs> um, you're right but we're not quite there yet i think you're right i really like the way you worded that thanks well you know we've spoken a lot of free speech on this show over um the last few months yeah god a year almost yeah uh we've free speeched all over this place and if all you, over if you want to hear other ejaculations of free speech <laughs> you can find them on our website carolinasnowflakes.com also, we have a Facebook group where we like to get together and free speech each other. <laughs> we free speech at each other. Yeah. Facebook.com forward slash Carolina Snowflakes. And although all speech should be free, some of it should be private. And if you would like to speak in a private free speech mode, you can do that on an email. Carolina Snowflakes at gmail.com. Gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>